Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bikini and the Brain. I know you might have missed us last week. You especially missed this character to my right. No, they didn't miss me. They come for you, Adam. <laughs> Not the case. Mm -hmm. But we have uh, we have some news and we have some follow up to do. We have our bodybuilding lingo part two to, to yeah, go through. Yeah, like we totally just skipped a week without telling anybody. I feel like it's the equivalent of like leaving a party when you say you're going to the bathroom and just piecing <laughs> out. That's something I would do, honestly. Just be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then just leave the party. That's kind of what we did. I've done that. And yeah, I, just like, I do too because I don't like goodbyes. Yeah, I just text them. Oh, I tried to catch you on the way out, but you're busy or yeah, I couldn't find you. <laughs> you know, just hope they forget or, you know. I mean, how many times do you actually remember who said bye to you? Yeah, true. You know? I just, I just, wow. we do this. I do the same thing. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But uh, yeah, we've been, we've had a busy couple weeks. So especially you. Yeah, yeah. Ashley, just so you guys know, she was in Vancouver. I we were was. both in Vancouver. I had a good time. I did too. Uh, Land of the Berry. Oh, yes. The <laughs> Abbotsford, actually. Abbotsford. It wasn't Vancouver. The it was land Abbotsford. of the Berry. So Vancouver is very like a city. It's it's an awesome city. Vancouver is probably one of my favorite cities because it's in a different country, but it's still very American. It feels like, oh, this is just, you know, American, you know, mm -hmm. but with nicer people. Yes. <laughs> and Canadians, best people. Those are the nicest people. I agree. People. I'm I come for the people, man. I'm American, and I so I could say it. Canadians are nicer than Americans. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it... Is it wrong for me to say I get more support in Canada than I do in my own hometown? I would say that besides Vegas. Vegas loves you. <laughs> no, but I mean, they, they did, they maybe did. it's just more spread out love yeah. for everyone. But like, I don't know. <laughs> I felt more loved in, in Vancouver, honestly. They did just, give you a lot of tears. There's a lot of people. Vancouver I was just, like, why do you like me so much? They were Thank really you. nice. Yeah. I, you got to love them. You got to love them. People were driving from all over to come see you compete too. It was, I got flowers. Yeah, there was one girl, she drove three hours, and I was like, that's so cool, you know? So Good people. Yeah, so thank you, Vancouver, for always for the love. We, we love you, Canada. Not even just Vancouver, yeah. Canada in general. Like, I got the same kind of love in Toronto, too. You know what's funny is I didn't realize how Americans were kind of, you know, we're kind of like a little rougher around the edges than like most most countries or a lot exactly. of countries. Well, until I started training international people, and then I started kind of realizing it, um, like I'll be with like, you know, Phoebe, she's like, well, he's American. So like, as it like gives him a kind of an excuse to be harder, you know, <laughs> she's like, well, he's American. Like, like she just kind of accepts it for being huh. like, oh, well, he's a little rougher around the edges. I don't picture that with Americans. Maybe like, <laughs> like maybe New York and stuff gets that, that reputation yeah. for being like rough. I don't get that. For, I just think we're obnoxious. I think that's our stereotype <laughs> is Americans are just known to be obnoxious and inconsiderate probably. I, I don't know. I don't know. Tell is us it, in the comment section below. Yeah, I will tell you. Just Canadians. I don't know what it is. Canadians <laughs> are just they're just super nice people. I don't know. They're, yeah, they're just great people. people. So anyway, we Canada, love you, Canada. I gotta go back. Gotta go yes. back. Yes. Oh, we will be back next year. Yeah. You know, last year did Toronto. This year, Vancouver. Yeah. It's a it's a fun place. We can't get enough. But we had these. The berries are awesome in Abbotsford. I will say that. Banging berries of Abbotsford. Yeah. So I'm it's like a you. farm town. It's like a berry farm town, yeah, basically. Yeah, I competed in the middle of a berry field. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. There was a, actually within like a thousand feet. There's a giant berry sculpture. Shout out to Blueberry Junction. <laughs> Blueberry Junction. <laughs> we were driving by. We were driving by. It's so funny because sometimes Ashley will. I'm just used to this like tough competitor sport athletic Ashley, and then once in a while the girly Ashley comes out. She's I'm like, always girly. When we, I'm with you're like. Well, sometimes like I'm mentally tough, but I'm very, you are that's like, true. I didn't know what WD 40 was. That's true. But we're past this berry stage. She's like, Oh, berry, oh, <laughs> berry, berry junction. junction. 
it's the cutest. It was a cute <laughs> little berry stand. I'm like, oh, I love that. So, so then the mission was to get these berries, and then we ended up with these berries. Ended up with some dumb video throwing berries in her mouth. It they was, were good berries. They were good. They were good. And berries. even the ones, I'm just letting you guys know, the ones that fell on the floor still like. <laughs> I don't waste food. She does it. She does it. The uh, so anyway, she actually got a W in a Vancouver. Dub, yes. So she is at 41. 41. Holy moly, yeah, 41. Yeah. Awesome, awesome show, awesome feedback. We'll go into that soon. Yeah. But today's episode. We'll save that for maybe next week's podcast. Like yeah. the season recap slash moving forward and what our plans are. Yeah. Fun, we fun. Do kind of a, yeah, getting going at the Olympia prep type of thing. Yeah, let's. I think it's a good podcast. Cause you talk about everyone, tell everyone what you know, you're thinking, how the season went, um, what they can do when they get done with like a, a period where they're going to get ready for nationals or whatever, a case for them. Yeah, I think that's a good one. We'll do that next week. You're up for that next week? Heck yeah. Yes. All right, let's do that next week. But this week we have the finish of the bodybuilder lingo. Yes, we sure do. And there's sure a lot do. there's a lot to cover. So let's go yes, for it. Yes, a lot to cover. And um I was reading your guys' comments from the last uh video and I was trying to get some more lingo to cover and I did pick up some of the lingo from the comment section. So thank you guys for that. And also I noticed a few comments as well saying, Why don't you add visuals? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know this, but we're a bigger deal than YouTube. Okay. Meaning <laughs> most of our, our audience comes from uh, audio only platforms, yeah. right? On the various different uh, podcast platforms, meaning there's only a small fraction that watches via YouTube. Yeah, it's so, like 10%. so if we were to kind of reference photos in YouTube, that would very much confuse our listeners because we'd be like, yeah, as you can see here, this and this and this, but they can't really visualize it because they're just audio only so that's why but maybe adam can throw out a video in the future to kind of show uh but that's you know yeah. that's for a different day yeah and you got to be careful with the video too because if you're saying a negative it's hard to find you don't want that person to be kind of outed oh, like you're yeah. like oh it's, they're grain like too grainy oh isn't that somebody's <laughs> hamstrings yeah, yeah. i know those hamstrings yeah. anywhere if it's the positive it's fine but if it's the negative you can always use bodybuilders though yeah. i'm sure if you call them grainy they would love that yeah but you can still see the same the same that's thing, true you know that's what I mean? true so okay well what's what's our first one so let's talk about uh a rebound what the heck is oh, a rebound yeah. a rebound what is this <laughs> you know i think uh a lot of people when they hear rebound they think of a relationship right <laughs> like a rebound guilty <laughs> <laughs> but when we're applying it to the world of bodybuilding that means kind of a you might get a little, little fluffy, a little puffy uh, due to a few different circumstances. And one of those could be um, maybe you've depleted water and then you all of a sudden have a bunch of water and sodium. A little bit of rebound there, a little wa water rebound. And you can also do the same with like carbs too. Mm -hmm. But I'll let you go into that more. Yeah, so uh, when we talk about rebound, there's a couple things going on. One, you, you nailed it on the head. The water and sodium is is a huge one. And it, and it could be a little dangerous it doesn't happen very often with bikini, but it has, I have seen it happen on multiple occasions with, with guys. Um, I think I've seen it three times where guys end up in hospitals from a rebound. Um, bodybuilders though. These are big bodybuilders that I think were a little too loose on their menu plans as well on top of the rebound. Cause they're, they're, they're taking things to cut their water. They're cutting their sodium, things like that. Get done with their show. I remember there was a, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was a, um, I want to say, He's short. He was like 5'2", so he's probably weighing on stage like 160-something. Maybe he was like a, a welter or something. Big big guy for his height, of course. Welter? Welterweight. Welterweight. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, and, and so 
he, uh, he, but he blew up, put on 40 pounds Woo. within a couple of days after the show. And it was because he cut his water, he cut his sodium, he had to make weight, you know, he was trying to make the, 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 the highest, the, the weight that the, you want to be as big as you can in the division when you're trying to go for a pro card, ended up in the hospital needing electrolytes and, and all this stuff. And, um, they actually put him on, um, on, on Lasix to get some water out of him too in the hospital, like IV Lasix, because he rebounded so hard and it was like really hard on his body. So, um, I mean, 40 pounds at 160 something pound guy, that's, you know, that's what is that? 25% of your weight instantly overnight, Oof. blood pressures through the roof, feeling bad. So anyway, I've seen it happen. So be careful guys. Bikini, you're not going to run into that unless you're really having poor coaching where they're cutting your water and you're doing a bunch of expel or whatever to, to get more water out and things like that. Um, shouldn't need that in bikini at all. Like, to give you an example, I actually had a gallon of water at Vancouver on Saturday, yeah. the day of the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, rebounds still happen to a very small set. Like, you'll st rebound can even yeah. be something as, as small as, like, oh, my abs are blurred the next few Correct. days, right? It's nothing, like, major, not, yeah, like, 40 pounds, but, like, that, yeah. but uh, it still happens a little bit. And it, it might be due to just a little bit of fluctuation with that. And sometimes it's unintentional. It's not like, you know, sometimes the show lasts longer than you think, and then you didn't get enough water in that day, and then the next day you rehydrate yourself and maybe incorporate some sodium or have some foods that you haven't had in a while and yeah. your body's like what the heck is this and you'll start to retain water maybe your ankles get a little bit um like uh thicker yeah you know a little kinkle especially if you fly the next day and then you see your little sock mark on your on your ankle for me sometimes too is like if that happens to me unintentionally i never purposely cut water but Again, like I said, in a scenario like maybe the, the show lasted longer than I thought and I wasn't able to get in all my water that day and I'd wake up and my, my hands are a little bit like stiff, you know what I mean? So it, it happens on a very small scale with bikini, but it can happen It can happen bad in bikini too, but not to that extent. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is something that you should keep in mind um, and, and also don't freak yourself out if your abs are gone the next day. Yeah. It's not fat. <laughs> well, maybe some of it might start to accumulate as fat, but it's not like you lost your abs literally overnight. Yeah. And it's, it's very minor. It's usually very minor, especially in divisions where you're not cutting water or you're right. not taking anything to cut water and, and whatnot. So it, unless you're doing that, you should be fine the next day. Even if you're holding a little water, usually it's because of sodium. Uh, you know, here's the thing with, and this is how more North American coaches are doing it now is that we're not really cutting water, not really cutting sodium at all. It's pretty much consistent all the way through. And I'm talking, I'm really good friends with like the five, like biggest coaches. And we're pretty much all doing the same thing with that. And it's just, we're like, Hey, I'd rather just diet them down and get them leaner than cutting water and doing all these things that are unpredictable and just give them an extra week or two of dieting that versus all this crazy stuff at the end and being unpredictable. Right. So you shouldn't run into that if you're, but if you are running into that where you're cutting water like crazy and, and, and taking something to get rid of more water, like you're going to be more susceptible to these bigger rebounds. Um, and it's just not healthy, you know? So, right. And also we got to point out too, is like in a perfect world, right. When you cut water, it would only eliminate from your skin, but guess what? Unfortunately, your muscles are yeah. also made of water too. So whenever you do those, these crazy things, it also flattens you out. So you won't have that same pop because you know, we're holding, uh, water in our muscles yeah. too. So it's not always uh, as good as it seems. Yeah. It's a very rare scenario where that actually makes sense. You, a girl has to be very muscular so you can afford to lose some of that muscle. Um, she has to just naturally hold water all the time. And so it actually makes sense. You know, sometimes I'll have a, a woman that has a prescription already 
And the doctor, because she always has water retention issues, so she already has a prescription for it. So that she'll keep taking it. And, and like, so there's like scenarios where it makes sense, but all these things have to line up. For me, it's like better for the most part to always just have them diet for longer. Now, the one thing that is hard to get away from is going to be the, um, the sodium. And if you have a big influx of sodium, which pretty much like 90% of people do after a show, they go and they eat something, a pizza, burger, fries, all these things that they weren't eating before, and they have a, a huge spike in sodium. Yes, you will hold water because of that, but it's temporary. Um, you know, what, there's, so there's a hormone called aldosterone, which basically regulates like, your water retention and other things in your body. But the main one for, for us is going to be the water retention. Um, when you have your normal amount of sodium, so here's something that you shouldn't be doing too, is cutting your sodium like in your prep. If your body's used to a certain amount of sodium, your body, it becomes its normal like intake. That's like your body's homeostatic amount, right? So your body's reached its homeostasis, gotten used to it, says, oh, I always eat 3,000 milligrams a day of sodium, whatever it is. And um, to, to someone else, that could be a ton. Um, I eat a lot of sodium. I love salt. Kimber's always like, I can't, I've never met anyone who salts their food up as much as you do. Like I've never met anyone who does that. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm just used to it. You know, I just, I don't even taste it as salty. And so because I eat a lot of sodium, it's my normal amount is higher. But if, if, if Ashley were to eat my normal amount, she'd probably hold water. So the, the difference is your body gets used to it. And once you get that, your normal amount in all the time, then your, your aldosterone is not going to fire off saying, hold water, hold water, because that's my normal amount. But if you go and you cut your sodium in a prep and that is, so that's the thing is you have your normal water amount of retention, right? So that's whatever you're eating. So if you cut that in prep, you're going below your normal amount. And yeah, maybe you'll have a temporary lower water for a period of time. But again, it's everywhere, not just under the skin. And then you're going to go ahead and, and eat a big sodium meal. Of course, you're going to have a big rebound with that. Now, um, so if you're eating just your normal amount of sodium, which is what I always say to do, keep your sodium consistent throughout prep, um, you shouldn't have these huge fluctuations unless you have a big sodium intake after the show. And if you do have that big sodium intake, understand it's temporary. Your aldosterone has got to get a huge signal saying, hey, hold water. You're holding water. The best thing to do for that, I'll generally say, is, you know, drink some dandelion tea um, for the next couple of days. Maybe go to sauna for the next couple of days. Get a good sweat. Yeah. Even if it means walking around um, in, in the hot yeah. weather with a little waist wrap on or sweat gel. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell clients, hey, if you're holding water, just wear a, wear a, a, a hoodie and, and, and jogging pants like during your cardio. It's not going to kill you for a couple of days. And then also keep that water high. It yeah. might seem counterintuitive, but keep chugging the water. It's going to help. Yeah. You know, you might think like, oh, no, it's going to make it me, me retain more. No, no, yeah. it's going to kind of flush you out. And the, so that's that's most of the rebound. The other rebound that we haven't talked about yet is the body Carb fat. Spill? Yeah. Um, well, spilling. Yeah, spilling, too. So, yeah, spilling. I guess there's two Carb of them. Spill. Which we already covered, right? Yeah. We already covered it in the book. Okay. So, yeah, so <laughs> just spilling over in carbs and just having so many carbs. And that's going to hold water, too. So carbohydrate is a hydrate, right? It has uh, water attached to the, the glucose molecule. It's a carbohydrate. And so the more carbs you have, the more you're storing, the more water you'll hold, too. Um, so, yeah, eat a bunch of carbs. Yep, you're going to have some more water on top of that, on top of the sodium intake, too. So you're going to have that, too. Um, but the other one is going to be actually actual body fat, right, that's which, which the, happens. That's the really bad one. That's the one. That's the one that sucks. And, um, and you guys, you know, it's tough. It, we're, we're, we're really good, and I'm, I'm used to taking the slack for <laughs> always saying, he's always so hard on girls being off-season, you know. Okay, so I want to go into that real quick, too, because I'm, yes. I'm not hard on girls being in the off-season that are on the team. I say all I want you to do is stay fit. I feel like that's very reasonable. You're, in, you're doing fitness contests. Why isn't it me saying you being just staying fit? Why is that? Why am I the devil for that? <laughs> and what, So what does staying fit mean? Okay, 
if you're competing within six months, about 10% of your stage weight. Now remember, the stage weight of our athletes is, is a true, true weight because there's no water depletion, there's no diuretics, there's none of these things. So the true, it's a true weight. Now, if your stage weight, you drop 10 pounds in peak week, that's not the weight I want you to stay within 10% of. So I'm saying stay 10% within your, essentially your start of peak week weight or your final stage weight, 10% if you're competing within six months. And if you're not competing within six months, um, about 12%, if you're competing in more than a year, about 14%. That's not crazy. That's, it's a good amount of weight. Like if you're 120 pounds, you know, 12% is like 14, 15 pounds. Like I, yeah. that's not, that's super realistic. So let's not get crazy. We're doing fitness stuff, guys. <laughs> it's like, I think it's funny because <laughs> we all know it's kind of like a justification. So they make themselves feel better about going off the deep end and off season. First off, we know that's pretty much right. Yeah. But it also, you get people that like, will say it's not healthy to be like that lean in the off season. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I, I never see myself as overly lean in the off season. It's not like I'm grainy or anything in the off yeah. season, but I think it's funny that they think that somehow staying within 10 pounds is more unhealthy than fluctuating like by 30 pounds up and down and up and down and up and down. Like what is harder on your body? Yeah. Like what, what do you think it is? It's, it's staying closer to what just a normal fit person would be like you've seen me in the off season i never am overly lean but at the same time i'm not like oh yeah she could walk on stage tomorrow um so you know you got to find that that happy medium in there so so the rebound we're talking about and the bad one is going to be the body fat gain right so yeah staying lean that's that's the that's the goal now here's the thing this is what sucks about the rebound after a show is that rebounding after the show it's it's such a it does suck because you're at your most susceptible of gaining body fat right after the show, mm-hmm. but you want to eat the most amount of food right after the show. Calorie sponge. Yeah. You just, it's something you're, you're, things have shifted at that point. You've dieted down as hard as you can. You've done as much cardio. Your settings are all messed up. Your hormones are trying to get back to normal. You're in your most susceptible point of gaining body fat at the moment you want to eat the most food. And that's where people lose it. They'll, you'll see them lose six months of hard work within two weeks. And it doesn't make sense because calorically it doesn't make sense. Someone would be like, I only ate 3000 calories a day. So I should technically only be gaining a thousand calories of stored fat a day. So that means I should have only gained two pounds in a week. You're right. You should have, I don't know why you're up 10 pounds. And a lot of that is fat. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what happens. Dr. Jacob Wilson was talking about this. He goes, don't tell me that it doesn't happen because I've seen it. I've tested it. I've seen it happen. He's like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like it, something happens after the show where you just store more body fat and more faster and easier than any other time. And you need to stick to your post-show diet. You need to not just hire a prep coach, say, I want to prep for 16 weeks and I'm going to hire him on day one of 16 weeks out and then just ghost them completely after the show because I already know how that story ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah, be careful guys on that post-show. You've worked really hard. You want to maintain it. And I've never had a girl, I've never had a girl ever who went through their first rebound and then like a month later, if they, if they put on 15 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever, I've never had one say that they don't regret putting on that 15, 20 pounds. They always said, man, I lost all that hard work. Mm-hmm. It sucks. The only thing that sucks, they always say, the only thing that sucks is that I lost all that hard work. That's what they always it's say. It's like life's so not fair, right? Yeah. You can just counteract all your hard work in a short span. I mean, so hard, <laughs> so hard to work off That's, a donut. You know? <laughs> if you really want to break it down, it's like, how many miles is that? You yeah. Know? It's like, I don't even, that's one of the things that I think about before, like really indulging into something bad. I'm like, oh, is it worth it? Is this five minutes of satisfaction worth like 
hours upon hours upon hours of hard work? I think not. And I want to be kind to myself. You know, I always think that too. It's like, especially after a show, I don't want to like abuse my body like that. It's already worked so hard and it's done great things for me. Why would I abuse it by just like giving it crap? You know what I mean? I want to be kind to myself. I know that's really cheesy. No, I think that's, that's kind of foo foo too no, for I you. Think but like, I want to be good to myself. I want to be good to my body. I think that that's that's reasonable. You know, I, yeah. I, I do that to a to a lower extent, but I do think of it the same way. You know, like right. it's for me, it's more about man. It's so much work to get it down. It's you know, so much work. like I've I've done the math on it. if I have if I go too bad for like let's say a whole weekend like in Pittsburgh if I went really bad over the weekend. Um, it would take me a whole week of boxing to get back to where I was when I started. And I'm like, and I'm doing it 12 sessions a week right now. So it's like, it's, it's, I'm like, that's, it's just not worth it. It's so much work to get yes. that back, just back to where it was five days ago. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just crazy. So, and yeah. also I got to mention too, is like getting the back, getting it back. We're talking about like cardio and stuff, like, and we won't go too far into this because I feel like it could be another topic for another yeah. day. And we've covered it many times. It's like when you are in that mindset of like, okay, now you got to counteract everything you did for last week because you messed up so badly and you're doing all this extra cardio, giving all this extra effort into burning calories. Do you then think that your muscles and, and lifting is then going to take a back seat? Because it will for me. Yeah. I don't know about you, but if I had to do two cardio sessions per day, I'm probably not going to have the best lift because yeah. I'm going to be exhausted. I'm I'm going to give my attention to burning calories rather than gaining muscle. Yeah. Can you do two at the same time? Yeah, sure. But one usually takes more priority and it, you're going to wear yourself out a little bit demand. more. Yeah. Yes. You only have so much energy to give. Yeah. And if you're giving it all to cardio, then your muscles aren't going to get that same attention that right. it would if you didn't have to do that. Yeah. If so you, if you didn't do cardio, of course you'd have better workouts. There's exactly. just no way not. That's why I yeah. love the off season. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. Moving on to the next one. Um, let's go right? ahead and go into a deload week since we're yeah. kind of drifting into that anyway, that territory. I just took a nine day deload guys. I didn't work out for nine days. Yeah. Did I get fat? No, no. you, she hit center check. Actually, I did my good. first workout today with Sam. Psh, I'm feeling strong, stronger than ever. You know what? I, did, I felt like, whoa, where did all this strength come from? I, I, I would think we should go into that because <laughs> well, you're the perfect candidate for it. Yeah. <laughs> like for you saying like, how did you, you know, how do your joints, not that your joints were hurting, <laughs> but how do your joints feel? How do your muscles feel? How strong do you feel? How mentally strong do you feel in the gym? Like how mentally ready are you now with all these deload things? Like how are any of those, have any of those things changed at all for you? So I would say I feel stronger. I didn't lose any strength. That's for sure. I have better energy, um, better mood. And it's funny because at the end of the nine days, like yesterday and the day before, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of bored. I'm ready to work out again. So it kind of gives you new motivation too. It's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Have my little break. I feel well rested. I feel like, you know, I didn't really have any injuries or anything like that. But if I did, that's definitely got to help somebody that has. Um, But something to note with a deload week, Um, you cannot do a deload week and then also go crazy on your diet at the same time. Okay. Deload week from the gym does not also mean eat whatever you want for a week. Because if you were to do that, if you were to eat whatever you want for a week and then also not work out for a week, that is a recipe for disaster. So it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. (laughs) You have to just, you know, you have to be very mindful of your diet if you're going to take this deload week. So yeah, so that's good. Good to hear. And I, I think that it's important for the listeners to hear. She's 14 weeks, five days from the Olympia right now. Oh, yeah. So she took nine days off. 
right? 90s. And I think that a lot of the super dedicated people, which I admire the super dedicated people. I was a very super dedicated person for many, many years where I was in my head so much that I thought if I took any days off of working out, I would lose all my gains. I'll lose all my progress. I would lose it, it, it. If your body needs it and your nervous system is taxed and you're just mentally, you need it, then go for it. You know, take that deload. You're not going to lose anything. Remember. So Mr. Olympias, when they do their Olympia prep and they, they finish the Olympia for the year, a lot of them take a full month off of working out a full month. So after the Olympia, it's very, very common. So you got to listen to your body. Um, you know, for her, she wasn't even like injured or needed it yeah. really that bad. It was just a good time for it. She's been working yeah. really hard. It just made sense that we're going to, we're going to work hard, obviously through the Olympia. Um, her nervous system has to be somewhat fried. She's been doing a lot of working out, a lot of cardio, mm-hmm. whatnot. So there has to be some I haven't been doing a lot of cardio. Yeah, that's, me true. that's true. That's true. You have not. actually a couple of shows where we didn't do any cardio. <laughs> yeah. But the, the nervous system gets fried from all that hard work. And, and you know, the muscular system, you're rarely going to feel it on. You know, you're rarely going to feel the muscular system because it just recovers so fast. Um, you know, you're, so you, when you're in the gym, you're working three different systems, your, your muscular system, your nervous system, and your skeletal system. Uh, the, the, the skeletal system recovers very fast too, but the nervous system, it's, it sneaks up on you and it sneaks up on you in ways where you can't really recognize it. You know, you're more tired. You're not feeling like you really want to be in the gym. You're losing a little bit of strength, but it's, but it's a little bit of strength. It's not a lot of strength. You're just like, Oh, it's a little weaker today. You don't really think of it that way. And so the muscle, the, the nervous system does need that rest more so than the muscular system, which recovers super, super fast. So, you know, give your body that rest that it needs. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be really good for you mentally. Um, nothing feels better than being, than than wanting to go to the gym. Like, I love the feeling of a deload because I'm just like, man, I can't get wait to get in the gym. I just yeah. can't wait to get back in there. I feel so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so fresh right now. I feel like I can just break dance in the middle of this office. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so deload de- is dependent on the athlete's experience in the gym. Um, Cause you're reco- the way, the ability to recover is gonna be better the longer you've worked out. Ashley's worked out since she was a fetus. So yes. she doesn't need as many there, deloads. I came out of the womb with dumbbells <laughs> and a resistance span. Yeah. <laughs> hamstring first <laughs> i had my mom had to get a c-section because of the hamstrings she's jumping got ro- like stuck she's jumping rope on the umbilical yes. <laughs> exactly That's exactly so the sure. the uh her is going to be faster than someone who's just starting to work out at let's say 30 right you're going to need them probably a little bit faster your workout intensity will make a difference on those deloads too if you're working out super super intense uh there was a period where i used to watch uh ben pakolsky was going through this really aggressive workout routine. He always has really good workout routines, but he was going through one and he was taking a deload the first four days of every month for a while. And it was like mm-hmm. every month and he would kind of progress in the month and then take off. I think it was like four to seven days every month for a while. So, uh, that was years ago, but the, you know, he was working out really, really intensely for short periods of time. Like his workouts were like 50 minutes, 40 minutes, and they were just super intense. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he would take, you know, so the intensity matters as well. Yes. So intensity experience, you know, if you're, if you're in the gym and you're you know, just doing classes in the gym and you're not really pushing yourself, you could probably go a year without a deload, you know? So it's just, sure. it just dependent on the person. Yeah. And, time. and I got to, we got to say this too, cause we were just talking about the off season. You're going to backtrack much more by ruining your diet than you will with a week off from the yeah. gym, right? From a week off from the gym here, I feel like I could still probably compete in like two weeks if I wanted to. But if I took like a tire week off from my diet and just ate like sloppy, Oh, that that's going to be months, months, months yeah. away, you know? Yeah. So that's something to kind of put in perspective. It's just like, it's much harder on your body to recover from binging for a wh- whole week than it is from just taking a whole week off from the gym. Yeah. And 
um, you know, I don't think this is a, a, a slang word we have in there, but it's, it's relative to right now's topic is, uh, like a hard loser, you know, like Ashley and in, in, in that, in that, uh, whole thing she just said, it would take her months. And cause she's a hard loser. People don't get, they think that, Oh, she's genetically gifted. It's easy for her to just maintain. I'm like, no, she stays on her diet like that because she's a hard loser. Yeah. Too. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like the worst because to be fair, my calories are never that low for me to even yeah. know that. Like, gosh, I don't even know. I'm usually, I mean. I was dieting at like 1500. Yeah. It's usually mine. And I haven't been doing a lot of cardio, but yes, you're right. It's not like I would just start a diet and then whoop, five pounds. Some people are like that. So I would say like, I'm definitely on the lower half of weight loss, but I'm not like the worst you've seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Otherwise I'd be doing hours of cardio and dieting at like a thousand calories. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, you're right. It's, it's not easy for me to get like, Better for her to maintain yes. than to lose. Yes. And that's I'm good we, at maintaining though. Yeah. Really you're a good, good maintaining. maintainer. You're, um, you're on the bottom, you're on the probably bottom 30% of losers. Yes. If you're past, and if you're past 10 pounds then it's really hard. Oh yeah. That's yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah. I remember that's that why that I don't nightmare. let myself yeah. get that way. So it's, it's, that's the thing too. Everyone's going to have their, their thing. Some people are just harder losers than others. Um, some people are going to have those crazy preps that, you know, I always am like, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. Some people just kind of need it. You know, yeah. it's unfortunate. Those are the hard losers. And you have your easy losers, which I've had a couple of girls getting ready for Masters Nationals at 2,500 plus calories that are 110 pounds. It's just crazy, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's just, it is, it is what it is. Everyone's going to be a little different with that. Yeah. So we all have our pluses and minuses, you yep. know? So don't think that just because it's harder for you to get lean that, you know, that doesn't mean it's like the end of the world. Like, like I said, it's harder for me to get lean, but Hey, I'm awesome at maintaining my body is like, yep, we'll keep you here. You're fine. Like I don't feel like bad or anything. I feel good. Yeah. You know, good maintainer. So, a lot of people good maintainer. feel really bad the whole, like when they're that, when they're like within five pounds of their stage weight, they oh, just no, don't I feel, feel great. Good. Yeah. She like lives I glide it. on, I yeah. glide on air. <laughs> Some people are just like energies though. So it's like, everyone's just different, you know? Yeah. So totally. So let's get into what, um, blocky means. Oh, what yeah. does it mean to be blocky or stocky or even, um, what's, um, yeah, blocky or stocky. Yeah. So when I think of somebody that's blocky, no offense, but if you were to take a look at a CrossFitter, a professional CrossFitter, I would say that is a very blocky physique. Yep. When we think of blocky, I think we're more so concentrating on like the midsection, but it can apply to different things as well. Uh, but more so your waistline. Do you have a taper that comes in or you straight up and down? Some girls don't have any taper at all, but they have small waists. Some girls have waists that are as thick as their like shoulders. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's a lot of it is just something to do with like the rib cage size. It's really hard to get that waistline small when you're when you have a, a very wide and large rib cage. It's really hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and sometimes I'll have um, ex athletes that maybe played a sport their whole life that required a like lot CrossFit. of yep CrossFit. Uh, I run into a lot of football. You know, you run into these sports where you just use a lot of your your a core. Lot of oblique. Yeah. yeah, and they just have these thicker, more developed cores, and they have that grainy core too, which you don't want really in bikini. That like grainy hardness to your core, and they just have that more developed, that more width. So it's the rib cage and it's the oblique development, um, and it just really comes down to the ratio is what blocky means. So the ratio of shoulder to waist to hips you know how much of that hourglass do you have and also a short short uh <coughs> midsection short, yeah. uh, short torso makes it look blocky too yeah and the other thing that makes it blocky you look blocky too which 
which is really strange is this one this one's really weird is that when you're next to someone that has a really small waist people naturally look a little more blocky next to them even if that same person was next to someone with a really blocky waist she would look really small waisted too so when we look at like as a, as a judge looks at things they look at it based on who's around them so sometimes you'll see competitors that just look a little blockier but because that at that show everyone had really good waistlines and they could go into the next show where everyone's blocky and then they can look like the one with the smaller waistline too so it's always in comparison uh, of that so sometimes pictures are a little deceiving on that too um, based on who they're standing next to right yeah. so there is no like particular waist measurement that it's like mm -hmm. good or not you know like you said it's about ratios how wide is your clavicle how um how narrow are your hips and uh what is the 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 length between your hips and shoulders right so again some of these things you can't help uh genetically but maybe you can pose it to be better i will say there's even Olympia top 10 girls that I would consider to be blocky, but they pose it in a way that you're like, oh, hey, you, you won't even notice. Usually girls with blockier waist tend to be a little more on the profile uh, in that front pose. In the back, it's kind of hard to hide unless you have hair to hide it, yeah. but there's hope. <laughs> yeah. So don't think that just because your waist is wider doesn't mean you can't do well. You certainly can. We all have our pluses and we all have our minuses. You can outpost something, you can build around it. There's, you know, so many different body types. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a few, I saw a couple girls that have really, actually I would say pretty wide waists <laughs> at Masters Nationals this weekend who posed really well. And I, yeah. saw it when, I saw it when they came out and I was like, I wonder how they're gonna, and in their transition, they never fully opened up. They always transitioned. You never saw them from the front right. unless they were going to do a walk back, right? Yeah, it's the only the time walks. you saw it. So it's, it's just a matter of how they position themselves and how the illusion of being perfect. You got to be, you always want to pose to the illusion of being perfect. No one is, no one is. Even Miss Olympia right now has flaws, but you're not going to see them because they pose around them. So yes. yeah. Everyone has flaws, that's for sure. Okay, so this one is etched. This one is mm. kind of, you know, kind of like grainy, but it's, um, I think when we think of etched, it can apply more so to the abs than anything else, honestly. Yeah. And then the, uh, and tie -ins tie -in. yeah, I was going to say the tie in. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, what is the etching? So think of a sculptor just like pounding away, <laughs> get some deep, deep grooves going on, deep grooves going yeah. on in a sculpture. I don't know. So the etching, yeah, it would be the, the hardness. So let's go look at, everyone knows what the tie-in looks like. So let's use the tie-in as a good one for that. So you have a, you have a tie-in and the tie-in is, if you look at um, a good example would be uh, Angelica Teixeira in like 2017 and 18. She has a, a tie-in that's visible, but that's like the start of a tie-in. It's just the tie-in, but it's not etched in. It's not fully completed to the point where you could see all the muscle fiber, like a really strong amount of the muscle fiber at the very middle of it where it's fully connected. And then you could see like the, the when Janet won, she had more of a, um, a complete tie-in. Not fully etched, but it was getting pretty close. It was getting pretty close to that. And then you could see some girls who are past her, if you wanna look up pictures, where they would be even farther where they're like, basically all the fats like chipped out of it. And you see the hard full line of that etching. That is too far in bikini. You wanna have a, a, a tie-in but you don't want to have that hard, full etched, like full, you could see every single thing in that, on that muscle. So they say no etched tie-ins. Um, you want a full tie-in these days, but you don't want an etched tie-in. Mm -hmm. so. It's hard to do. We can't pick and choose where you put body fat. Yeah. Body fat we distribution. We try to do the is, best as we can. Yeah. It's in how you pose, how hard you pose, exactly. you know, um, 
um, body <coughs> fat distribution, though. Some people are blessed and some people are not, you know? True, very true. So let's go into density. We say that a lot. What the yeah. heck is density, Adam? What is that ish? So the density would be, um, a lot of it comes with just years of experience. So a good example would be if you look at someone's, the best, probably the best example would be like a, a back of like a men's physique guy. Um, so we call it depth, you know, in the men's physique back where there's like uh, the, the, the butterfly muscle in the middle of the back, we call it rhomboid or whatever right there. So when it's, when it's there, but it's not, you don't see like the, the mountain of it, then it's not very dense. It doesn't have the fullness to it. You know, there's not the, the, the it's course a lot of it's the size, but the hardness of the muscle too. So we also refer to it as, we'll call it a new muscle. You know, we'll say, oh, they got new muscle. You know, it's not there yet. So we call it dense or they call it new muscles. Like, oh, it's new muscle. It's not dense yet. So you pound muscle for years and it just looks harder. It looks, it just looks harder and it looks more, um, Solid, like, yeah, you could, you could, it's not like new muscle. You know, you see a lot of bodies and they're like, oh, he's got new muscle. He needs a few years to really get harder and dense it up. And so it's, it's just the more that you beat up a muscle, the more, uh, the muscle fibers are going to start seeing a little bit more detail in the muscle fibers. You're going to see a little bit more of that hardness, a little bit more of the fullness to the muscle. <laughs> it's kind of reaching its maximum amount that it's going to carry. Um, you know, they're, they're complete. So when you look at, uh, let's say, so for example, um, and I'll say this sometimes in, I think I did this in a review recently where Ashley's very close to her body's kind of limit of muscle. And so she, now it's kind of improving, but it's not improving a, a lot more with size because she's already pretty muscular. She's going to put on a pound, two pounds, something like that a year. Uh, but the density, and it's like, it doesn't make sense. She looks way bigger than she did a few years ago. It's only a couple pounds heavier. Well, the density, you could still improve on the fullness of the muscle, the hardness of the muscle. You could still fill out that muscle fascia with just more overall tissue that though it might not be getting a lot bigger, it's holding more glucose. You're holding pumps better. You're getting a little bit more detail, um, things like that. So kind of if, if, if that's a good, a good way of it, of explaining it, but um, it's a hard one to explain, but the, think of a, a balloon <laughs> full of, oh, so you have a, a balloon. That's probably a better, better example. Let's say you have a balloon and it can hold a hundred milliliters of water. And one of the balloons, it's still all the way full, but only has 80 milliliters of water. And then one has a hundred and it has a hundred and you're, you're forcing like 110 in there. Like you're really filling out that muscle. That's kind of, kind of how you would probably describe density because the muscle just looks round and full and it just mm -hmm. has no space left for it. Right. Gotcha. So I, I hopefully I was thinking more of sand, <coughs> filling it with sand. There you go. Yeah. I that works too. That works too. Balloon with sand. It's a difficult one to <laughs> because I would think like the being full would just be the water. <laughs> I well, don't know. I'm, I'm thinking too much into this. <laughs> like it would be more. So the muscle would be more squishy with 80 milliliters of water, right? Than 100 milliliters if it was at its full right, capacity. Right, but sand, so. man, sh not no squish there. Sand, <laughs> no. Only kinetic sand. Okay, <laughs> never mind. I'm, I'm going too far into this. <laughs> so density is a tricky one, but you could visually see someone who's got the years in and who's got new muscle, you know? Which is funny that you brought that up because the next one is muscle maturity. So oh, there it's you go. very similar to yeah. this, you know? There you go. Very similar. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the muscle maturity, yeah. You, the example would be new muscle. Let's say you have a bikini girl who's just starting. And a lot of this could come down to skin texture too. Um, but let's say you have a bikini girl who's you know, 21, she's just starting, she's been lifting for three years. Um, and then you have someone who's been lifting for, um, who's also 21, but she started lifting when she was 10 years old. Well, the girl who's 21, who was doing gymnastics and uh, track and doing all these things, she has, her muscles just look more 
dense. They look more separated. They have more grain to them. They have more detail to them. Why does she look so much better? Well, she's done a lot of things with her muscles and they've gotten more mature. They've, they've done a lot more work, you know? And someone who's just been sitting on the couch their whole life or maybe not playing any sports and started lifting two years ago and someone who's been lifting for 12 years, even though they're the same age, could be, you know, there's going to be a visual difference in that muscle just because it's gone through more work and stuff. So um, it's, it's hard because, you know, that's going to be a hard one for science to prove, but you could visually see the difference of, of people. You know, when I get a girl who comes to me, she's like, oh, I've done gymnastics and whatever my whole life. I'm like, oh, great, because <laughs> it's going to be easy. I know your muscles are already like they have a strong neuromuscular connection. We're going to get great responses out of them. The density is where they already probably need to be. You just need to get them bigger now. And it's like, so it's, there's a difference in that. And time is a factor in this. And that's why you see, um, you know, now it's been weird lately because the bodybuilders as of lately have been, the young ones have been really doing really well. You know, um, you have, you have, I mean, Nick Walker, who, who's kind of a, it doesn't make sense. He's kind of a freak. He looks like mature and he's, I don't even know how old, I think he's like 25, but he looks like he's got muscles of like a 35 year old. So like used to be like, oh, he's got to get older and more grain of the muscle and whatnot. Uh, but you're seeing these younger guys now starting to have more of that, more of that uh, mature, dense, separated, detailed muscle mm -hmm. that you usually not, you used to not see that on the younger guys. So mm -hmm. pretty cool. Pretty cool to see that too. Absolutely. Labrada has that too. So. Your mom has that. Yeah, she probably does. She's older. She's got oh, that no, dense just muscle. Just felt that was a good <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> got great genetics yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay so this one was requested quite a few times in the comment section of the YouTube video because we we use this so much but it's such like a generic and general term conditioning what does it mean to be conditioned it can mean maybe a different thing for somebody else yeah it's a very broad term it's sport specific too yeah yeah so yeah. Um, conditioned in sports that require stamina. Um, so if you had like, uh, um, let's say, uh, you know, UFC, MMA, whatever, boxing, like they would say, oh, the conditions, conditioning's not that great this time. Like means he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the gas tank. He doesn't have the, um, he hasn't been training. His endurance isn't great. He's, he's fading out as the later rounds go on. Right. But for, but in, in our sport, conditioning means body fat level. Right. So it's confusing because it's kind of like full, like it's conditioning. People use it for different things all the time in right. different sports. In our sport, conditioning has no bearing on your on your cardio endurance. On ours, it's purely on body fat. So when we say conditioning, because they're all kind of done, I think it's, I don't know how the word conditioning came up because I think it came up because you have to do cardio to get lean. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's why. Because yeah, yeah, in other sports, it's referred to as your cardio gas tank. But in our sport, yeah, conditioning means how much body fat you have. So really, it's that simple. You know, if I say in a video, she needs better conditioning, it means she needs to lose body fat is mm -hmm. really what it means. So Very simple there. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right. So what does it mean to recomp? Oh, good one. Oh. <laughs> so Ashley's a, Ashley's a recomp specialist, you know. You are. Because you have proven the recomp exists to the mass bikini market. So... Um, actually, well, when I think of recomp, I think of something else. So, uh, enlighten well, me. A, yeah, there's a when lot I of When I think of recomp, I think of basically the ideal scenario where you lose body fat and replace it with muscle. That's yeah. how I would think of it. And I don't see myself doing that, but 
Yeah. By all means, explain what you mean by that. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot of variations. So there's recomping, which is staying lean while gaining muscle. Okay. There's recomping, which is exactly the main. The now I will say the main one is how you're saying it: yeah. losing body fat while gaining muscle yeah. simultaneously. Like with the, somebody that maybe, for example, doesn't see the number scale move, but you see they're getting leaner, and you're yeah. like, what? And then you see like, okay, we're starting to to get more toned here. So it's probably the muscle uh, now is kind of overcoming the fat and yeah. yeah and you go through periods of both you go through periods of trying to gain muscle without gaining any body fat and then you go with periods of trying to gain muscle with losing body fat or at least keep muscle while losing body fat right so that's kind of how you recomp throughout mm -hmm. the year but you've never gone full bulk you've never gone not full bulk yeah nope nope so that's so big yeah so you you fall into the recomp kind of category of one of those okay. two things so i kind of I like that yeah so when i make menu plans i'll say recomp emphasis lean gain recomp emphasis lean out you know that type of thing so i'll, I'll err more on the side of what we're doing for that particular client um, but yeah the recomp is a real thing you can lose fat and build muscle simultaneously that is something you can do your body is capable of amazing things and it is easier to recomp the more body fat, the more stored energy you have too. But Adam, what? <laughs> that means I can't bulk up in the off season and put on 20 pounds? You yeah. mean to tell me I don't have to do that? What? Yeah. You don't oh, have no? to do that. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Darn. I've done I've done <laughs> videos about this, but there's this thing called nutrient partitioning, which is a whole video on its own that we're not gonna, you know, fully go into. You've already done the videos. Yeah. So they can watch it. Yeah, watch it on the YouTube, nutrient partitioning. But but in in short, yeah, if your body if your mu if you work your muscles hard, your body can, you know, take the nutrients that you're eating and use them to feed the muscle. And if you have stored energy, so you've got extra body fat, your body can use whatever energy it needs outside of repairing and rebuilding the muscle to get you through the day. Use that fat to walk around, to do whatever you have to do, because that is also energy. There's, there's very little difference of consuming energy and having stored energy in terms of your body just kind of walking around and doing its thing. Energy is energy. So um, what's that first law of thermodynamics? The energy cannot be, I'm forgetting, I should know this off the top of my head. Energy cannot be destroyed, it can be used or... Some use or stored. Yeah, that's what it is. I think I'm, I'm, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I should know this one. That's that's like entry level stuff. I, I did those classes so long ago. <laughs> oh, it, it's not that obvious. We're getting into to chemistry. Yeah, I know. Right? They use it in body fat. They use it in energy for energy storage. All energy yeah. is energy, right? You know so. what I think is interesting too is like girls that were. How do I say it? <laughs> Girls that are going into an off season or looking to put on muscle, but they're already like soft girls. Like they already have an inadequate amount of body fat. It's interesting because I'll get questions like, how much more do I have to put on to build muscle? Like, no, 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 no. You got that energy storage already going on. You know what I mean? So if you're one of those softer girls that thinks you need to put on more of that, especially like to, to, to build muscle, you certainly don't, yeah. you know, there, I think there's only a few very rare scenarios where somebody's like literally like deficit stage lean, like crispy way leaner than I've ever been. And they're, they're that lean trying to put on muscle. That's probably not ideal, but that that's a really hard thing to do. And I don't think I've ever been in that scenario. It's really. yeah. I, I run into maybe two or three of those yeah, girls that's a year. Hard to do. Yeah. It's, it's super rare, super rare. Yeah. And that's, that's counting like all the inquiries I get, which yeah. is, you know, a thousand a year. So it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's super rare where I'm like, and in those scenarios, I'm a little worried. And so I usually will say, hey, I want you to gain yes, like 10 pounds before we even start working very together. Rare. So yeah. don't you think that applies to you? <laughs> yeah. So it's very it's rare. it's a very rare scenario. And yeah, most more times than not, it's either from old school type coaching or from someone trying to justify 
their poor eating habits and not being able to stay, you know, on plan. I'm, I'm sorry. I guess I'm going the opposite direction. I think <laughs> it's they, maybe, maybe a little uh, bit of dysphoria, perhaps. Yeah. Like yeah. they think they're softer than they are. And you're like, no, you're way too lean already to even step on stage. Yeah. And you're trying to put on muscle. I'm not going to, not going to happen. I'm, I'm actually, I was, I had a uh, it's brain day. fart there. I was going for like people who are justifying being overweight in the off season, like being gaining 40 pounds or justifying the bulk, needing to bulk. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. But the other ones, no, it's, it's, uh, there it gets to a point where you don't want to recomp anymore and you do want to bulk. Yeah, like, like yeah. she's saying. It's it's very rare, but it happens and it usually is yeah, body dysmorphia. That's yeah. type of thing. You know, like they don't think they're as lean as they are, and you're like, No, you're already way too lean even for the stage right now. Yeah. So that is not the ideal environment to put on muscle. Yeah. That's when it becomes a detriment. Yes. It becomes a detriment. Because it's the last thing the body wants to do when it has zero energy stores or close to zero energy stores is put on something that requires more energy, you know, cause it's very energy expensive to have muscle. So if you're not getting the energy in, of course the body's not going to want to put on more of it. Why would I, why would, if there's a gas shortage, why would I want a bigger engine in my car? You mm -hmm. know, it doesn't make any sense. So yes, absolutely. Okay. So, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, muscle insertions. Yeah. Muscle insertion. So I think the best muscle to describe this, because everyone's going to know what I'm talking about, is calves. When we're talking about muscle insertions. So if we're thinking of like maybe a runner with really high calves and their Achilles tendon is quite long, that's a higher muscle insertion, right? Shorter muscle insertion, I should say, right? Yeah, you'd have a, a high origin. And, or yeah, no, origin's always the same, but the insertion point is yes. always, yeah, changes. Versus maybe somebody that has such a low calf that it's like an almost touching their ankle. It's like a very low insertion, right? Yeah. But that can also apply to different parts of the body. That can apply to your glutes. Like I have short glute muscle insertions, um, but you'll see some girls have very long ones where they're the the end of their glute kind of meets mid hamstring yeah. very long that can apply to your, your shoulder, your delt. So a lot of this is something, um, that kind of makes the muscle look the way it does. Sometimes if you have shorter insertions, it can make it look more bubbly, like kind of like glutes, for example, if you usually not always, if you have shorter glute insertions, it means you'll get a little more profile bubbly, butt, right. Um, but at the same time, realize that this is something genetic and you can't really shift where your muscle inserts. Like you can't like, for example, those people with really high calf muscles, no matter how much you train it, you can't get it to lengthen. You'll never be able to get it to lengthen. So yeah. it's always going to be high. You can get it to be more prominent from the back, but it's not going to lengthen. So these things you can't really fix, but it's definitely a lot to do with like how our structure and is and, and how our muscles look. Yep. Yeah. You got that one pretty much nailed. You did a good job yeah. with that one. Yeah. There's oh. a High lats too, which you'll see High sometimes oh, too. Oh, I have yeah. low lats. Yeah. You know, the, Shh, can't have you'll see some, you'll see it a lot with more obvious with like men's physique guys have really impressive backs um, yeah. and you'll, you'll see like the high lat and it just looks cause the ratio just top, just drops off really crazy cause the lats are so high. And then all of a sudden you got this small waistline. Um, but then they look like they have less overall back muscle, but they're, the ratio is more impressive. So, you know, there's always a, a plus and minus to each one of those, but yeah, you, you'll see a lot of that. And a lot of that is structure and you'll, Sometimes here people, it's funny in the gym, I'll, I'll hear it sometimes where someone will have high lats and I'm like, oh, you just got to bring your lats down. And I'm like, good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's a surgery, I yeah. don't know, yeah. to bring it down. Who knows? Good luck, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds just gotta painful. Bring, just got to bring your calves down. Yeah. So you're born with what you're born with. Yeah. You know, you're, and, and everyone's going to be born with, with one, at least one crappy muscle. Like there's no, there's no one that doesn't have something, right? Everyone right. has something. Ev so, no one's complete. 
Yeah. We all have something to work yeah. on. Yeah. So, and also, I want you to kind of get into a little bit too is so muscle insertions are one thing, but the thickness of your ligaments also has a lot to do with how the muscles look and stuff, correct? So, tendons and, and ligaments. Um, I would say the muscle belly size is more than anything. Yeah. Yes. The muscle belly size, the, the tendons and stuff has more to do with like strength. So, yeah. The, when you look at, and that's why like monkeys are so much stronger than us. It's not because they have more yeah. muscle. They have, they're way strong. Like uh, a small monkey is like triple the strength of a human, right? And it's like that's a small so monkey and it's because they're tendons. And if you look at them, they're not more muscular than us. You know, they're just, it's a tendon strength, right? So mm -hmm. it's a lot to do with how much you can actually lift is that. But the, um, but the muscle belly itself is, is like what you're born with, like how much muscle fiber you were born with is a big dictating factor. So if you see a girl who's always had kind of a flat, flatter glute, flatter butt, she's never going to get the, without surgery, you know, the, the, the big, full, crazy glutes, because she has less muscle fibers to get bigger to start with. You I know? wonder if that, that's one thing, but also something to keep in mind is mind to muscle. Yeah. Like, you know how some people, for example, when they do lunge, some people say, oh, I feel it all in my quad. Some will yeah. say, oh, I feel it all in my hamstring. Some will say, oh, I feel it all in my glute. So I'm wondering if it's the muscle fibers available, also the mind to muscle connection, like the neuro pathways or something, mm -hmm. right? And then also the fascia, how tight it is versus how um, loose it can be. Yep. So I'm sure like a lot of these go into what a muscle looks like. Yeah, the uh, thickness of a fascia is, uh, is a big theory on how much, how big the muscle can get to. And that's where they start looking at genetics and um, genetics and ethnicities of like who has thinner muscle uh, muscle fascias. And, and so the muscle fascia is basically um, how you, you've explained it before, the chicken, <laughs> where it's like the, you'll see that little thin thing on the, on the chicken. That's the, the muscle fascia. But it's basically a balloon for the muscle. And the thicker that balloon, it's harder to jam water into it. You know, if you had a, a real thin water balloon. Um, versus a, a hot water bottle, right? You can jam more water into a water balloon. You can into a hot water to a to a hot water bottle balloon. The thickness of the fascia. So the theory is, yeah, if you can stretch out that fascia and you can get it fully stretched out, and and it'll allow for easier muscle growth. Uh, the mind muscle connection is definitely part of it because you can recruit more muscle fiber within the muscle to get it bigger, right? So that's where the newbie new fit machine comes in as benefit is you're trying to. Um, wake up muscle fibers that might be dormant and get that nervous system and, and mind muscle connection like as strong as it possibly can be. And then of course the amount of muscle fibers that you can actually you have, of course, is a huge factor too. You know, if you have double the amount of someone just starting, of course you're gonna grow at probably double the speed of them, right? So all these things are are factors that make our sport so so crazy, right? Because you can you can optimize two of those three. The, the one there's one you still can't. But yeah, you could do, um, you know, blood inclusion training and try to get that muscle fiber as big as you can. Do some of that FST7 mm -hmm. training, try to get the fascia stretch as you can. You could do all these different things to try to. Will it actually work? We don't even fully know. Right. You know that's the thing. Um, but yeah, why not try to take advantage of it? And, and worst case scenario is not a bad scenario. Worst right. case scenario, use the newbie new fit and... You know, you had a good workout. It's like worst case scenario, right? Yeah, like, I always have a good workout on that yeah. thing. So, yeah, yeah so these are all, all things. The bodybuilding is a fun, over, forever evolving sport. And what's why one of the things I really like about bodybuilding is that what's really funny is that the general public will always refer to, and it's kind of how, like, movies have cast bodybuilders being, like, big, dumb guys, right? They always, like, cast them that way in the, in the, the earlier years. Like, they're big and dumb. And... um. But you'll never meet like a really dumb big bodybuilder because it takes so much effort and science and, and learning to like become a bodybuilder that good. Exactly. 
And so you'll see all these things. And I used to be like, oh, is it, you know, it's just it's a meathead way of doing it. And then I started realizing that they kept figuring things out before everyone else. Like the blood inclusion training is from this doctor named Dr. Katsu, who created this machine who was helping people recover um, from injuries a lot faster. So it was like this guy in Japan had this machine where it would like, do like blood inclusion training, where it would keep the blood in the muscle. And they would do just high reps with like out any real weight with like bands or lightweight and just do like a ton of reps. And somewhere, somewhere along the line, some, some bodybuilder who people would call like a meathead bodybuilder saw the study of his patients recovering at, at a much faster rate than everyone else and said, oh, maybe I'll try that for bodybuilding. <laughs> Uses it in bodybuilding and then gets these results. And everyone's like, oh, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And then like 10 years later, like, oh, shit worked. <laughs> that's great. Like the guys aren't meatheads. They're, they're just way ahead of the curve. And some mm -hmm. of the things they do doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. So now I always look at everything and I'm like, is this another one of those things or is this actually be <laughs> like, you know it's like you know we've said it before on here it's a study says one thing and science says one thing but they never really applied it to bodybuilders because even when they do these studies it's like who are they testing like college students and i'm i'm sitting here thinking like hey if they're doing like a diet type thing i don't know if they're there 24 7 with them for an entire month i doubt it but all i know is even competitors can't even stick to their diet 24 7 for 30 days most of them you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like hmm there's a lot of like who who's taking these tests who's the guinea pig because yeah. it's hard to find one that's as adherent and is being if, if we we can't even get competitors to stick are, to it who are paying who to are paying to, to and this is what you do for a living versus some college kid that just wants to make 40 dollars that day you know yeah. what i mean it's i don't know yeah no i don't know i have my questions and there's definitely part of that. You're definitely you know? on the right the right track there. Yeah. So it's a it's a tough one, and I, that's why I, you know bodybuilders. I, I always respect how much they're trying to study because that's how I got into this whole thing. Was trying to offset my genetics by by learning. So yeah. Anyway, that's fun. Anyway, well, anyway, that was a great was episode. That it? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I love your shirt today. Musclelake.com slash yes. Team Lee Physique for discount. Yes, that keeps us full of eggs. I eat eggs every morning. I eat muscle eggs every morning. Oh my gosh! But I'm so basic. I use the plain ones. Plain oh my egg god, whites. what's wrong with you? I know. I like the flavors. Kimber, Kimber makes. I, like I eat the same. I'm so. I think I've eaten the same thing since I've met this girl. Uh, it's <laughs> it's egg whites and uh, turkey in a in a English muffin every morning without fail. Except for when you're traveling. Yeah. Oh, except for when I'm traveling. Yeah. Mm. It's always it's it's great. Wake up, Kimber makes it. It's great. She weighs it. Eight muscle eggs every morning. Go through them all. Eight the flavored muscle egg with a tablespoon of flax oil sometimes, and then sugar-free syrup on top. Yeah. And like sprinkle of stevia granules and cinnamon. What's your favorite flavor? I love the I love the strawberry, huh. but I would say for people that's never tried it, it's best to get like vanilla because it's more versatile. You can yeah. do anything with it. You can put it in your coffee. You can mix it with your shake. You know, make pancakes, make muffins, have fun with it. Yeah, I put the chocolate in my chocolate um, Kodiak cake muffins. Oh, there I, you I, go. Uh, Kimber makes those muffins, and they're co basically Kodiak cakes with muscle egg, and then they're like baked in like a muffin thing. And I just heat them up, and you get your protein and everything, and they're yeah, yeah, it's Dang, good. son. So, You're living the good life over there. You know, I am muscle you egg. Got it good. If I am muscle egg rich, I am muscle egg rich. <laughs> I feel like out in the weekends, I'm just. I'm just making it, making it break. Eggs, like, yeah. I was like, damn, he's just muscle egging me up. That guy's got it made. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So anyway, guys, with that, that's it for the podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.